going to dig into God's word today. Aren't you glad that that God doesn't stop working when the music ends? And we're going to open God's word right now. And his word, the Bible says, is like a two-edged sword. It, it divides the soul and spirit. It gets right down deep in your heart and in my heart where no one else can go. And so regardless of what's happening in your life, man, things that are seen, things that are unseen, people, things that people know about, things that people don't know about, man, I believe God wants to meet you right where you are today. And so that's why we get in his word. And so we're in part three of a, a series called Amazing Grace. And today uh, we're talking about grace for them. Everybody put up some quotes today. Hashtag them, whoever they are, right? And we all have those kind of people in our life. But uh, in the first week we talked about grace for me, how we all can receive God's grace for me. It can be personalized for me. Last week we talked about grace for you, that I need to have grace for those closest to me in my life. And, and, and if I can't give grace, then, then why did I receive grace, right? Freely we've received, freely we need to give. And today we're talking about grace for them. But just as a way of reminder, grace can never get old to you and me. It can never get mundane. We can't let it, right? As a church, grace can never get old. Grace changes people, it rewrites futures, and it gives us a fresh start. And I'd go as far to say that you can't understand the Christian life unless you understand grace. We have to understand why God has so much grace for us. It's because of who he is, right? And so today, let's dig into grace for them. We all have them in mind. Those people, right? And I almost, I almost don't even like saying that because when we use those words like them or those people, it totally like takes their identity away. As if they're just some people somewhere that don't have a face, that don't have a name. Those people that live in that kind of neighborhood, those people that listen to that kind of music, those people that don't keep their lawn like my lawn. How many of you know there's different kinds of lawns in a the neighborhood? There's my lawn that is kind of like splotches of green with a lot of brown, right? Because I haven't, I just moved there. It probably hasn't been weed fed. And then there's the guys across the street and it's like the master's golf course, right? And I look at my lawn and I'm like, I'm such a loser. And then I look at their lawn and it's like, man, those guys are amazing, and so there's all these comparisons, right? There's those people that voted for that candidate. Too soon? There's those people that root for that team up north, right? I'm learning the lingo. I've, I've been in Ohio a little while. That team. There's those people that look like that, that talk like that, that dress like that that act like that, that don't act like that, right? We love to put the labels on. We label entire generations. We've got the millennial generation. We've got the boomers. Any boomers in the house? Right? We've got the Gen Z. We've got the Gen X. We've got all kinds of labels. Maybe you are that person. You feel like people just don't want to be around you. You feel like when you walk in the room, everybody looks at you funny. Have you ever felt that? I remember the first time I felt that. 
um, well, the first time that it really sticks out to me, I remember that. I went from private school to public school in seventh grade. And I remember walking in and being like, I am a fish out of water. And I'm hearing things and I'm seeing things that I'm like, I've never experienced anything like this before, right? This is different. And it was like this, there was this contrast between me and this is how I felt. Really, we were just all a bunch of middle school kids going through the same stuff. But, and then there was those people. I remember going to a foreign country for the first time. Flew 15 hours across the Pacific to the Philippines. And being in a different culture, and it's like, oh my goodness, people do things a different way. I remember touching down on the plane into Sofia, Bulgaria for the first time. And being just confronted with the fact that things were different. And if you've gotten to travel around the world or you've gotten to go over the state border (laughs) to any one of the states that we touch, you get a feeling like, man, things are different here, right? Things are different. And today we have a story that shows that God's heart is for people on both sides of every aisle, on both sides of every border, on both sides of every ocean, that God has grace for them, whoever they are. And so this is an incredibly important important story for us to get and understand, especially in our culture today. Jonah, he was swallowed by a fish. You know, this is a popular story, but it's not a fish story. This is a people story. The fish is like the major, major supporting cast. The fish might as well be an extra in the story of Jonah because the story is not about the fish or the whale or whatever you want to call it. The star here is definitely not Jonah. The story here is God's amazing grace. And hopefully as we learn from Jonah today, we can understand that We don't necessarily want to be like Jonah, although so much of the time we are, but we can learn from it. And so let's dig in. The first thing we see in the life of Jonah is that Jonah's problem with them, with those people, turned into a problem with him. Jonah's problem with them turned into a problem with him. And and when I say him, I'm talking capital H, God. And I'd go as far to say that, man, if you can't resolve your problems with them, you will always have a problem with him. Verse one through three says in in the book of Jonah, it says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Have you ever been there? You know that you feel like, man, God wants you to do X, Y, Z, and you you do the first part right, you get up, but then you go in the absolute opposite direction that he told you to go. I've been there. But as we see, man, this, I can imagine this being kind of an uncomfortable thing, an uncomfortable ask that God is making of Jonah. Go to this great city, and tell all the people that God is judging them and how wicked they are? 
man, if God asked you to do that somewhere, I don't think you'd be jumping for joy, right? It's not easy to go to somebody and tell them, hey, you need Jesus. But what we need to understand in the context here is that this was not random. God didn't just randomly show up in Jonah's life and be like, go do this. Jonah was already serving as a prophet to the nation of Israel when this new commission came from the Lord. He had already been used by God. So you could almost say that this was kind of his job, right? He was already been anointed as a prophet. Jonah lived and ministered during a period when Israel was strong, both militarily and economically. It was a period in which God poured out his grace on the northern kingdom. In other words, you could say that Jonah is serving in his position during a pretty good time. And there's a chance that he may just be a little comfortable. Things are going good. Things are going well. Everything's taken care of. God is shining his face on us, and it's good. And all of a sudden, God has to mess up his plans a little bit, show up and say, go to Nineveh. Who were they? Who was the them in this story, the Ninevites? Nineveh. It was one of the greatest cities in the ancient civilization, of ancient civilization, civilization. It was founded, listen to this, by one of the first tyrants or dictators in history, a warrior named Nimrod. The Ninevites, they were violent. They were bloodthirsty people, that they were, and they were guilty, guilty of slaughtering so many others that they were known as one of the most cruel people to ever live on the earth. They were sinful, they were evil, they were wicked. They were full of lies and deceit. They were thieves. They were the type that would just go plunder places and take what wasn't theirs. They worshiped false gods and they engaged in the world of the occult or witchcraft. And so needless to say, these weren't the people that you wanted your kids hanging around, right? If your kids are going to high school or middle school, you're like, don't hang out with them. They were those people that when they walk down the street, you got your kids with you and you kind of hold them a little closer because they might take your stuff and they might kill someone in your family. They were definitely those people. Maybe you've felt like that at some point. That you were far from God, you'd done something that you were ashamed of. You did something that you felt like no one would want to be around you. You felt like the outcast. Maybe you are now. God's grace is for you. God's grace was for them. He wanted Jonah to go there and tell them that they needed to repent. That they weren't on the right track. Not because God is just judging God up in the sky just trying to squash everybody but because he knew that what they were doing was not only hurting themselves, but hurting other people. He's a gracious God. And so God saw them, God cared. Remember, God's grace is amazing, but Jonah didn't want to go. Listen, believers, those of you that are following Christ, too many times we think that we are on God's side, but at the same time, we set up our whole lives to exclude those that he wants us to reach. And if there's one thing that we see in the life of Jonah, this just can't be. 
We can't run the other direction when God's calling us to run towards those that need him. We can't idolize our comfort over the call. To run away from them is to run away from God's call. Jonah's choice to prioritize his feelings for them, and they weren't good feelings, over his devotion to him led to the disastrous results for himself and the people around him. Think, Jonah ran away from home. He left his own country. He ran to Tarshish. He finds himself a boat. He gets on the boat with a crew. He finds himself out in the middle of the sea, in the middle of a storm, and he realizes that it was his own disobedience that caused his current troubles. Have you ever been there? Where you're in a storm and life's falling apart and you're like, oh my goodness, I got myself here. Well, Jonah had that moment where he's like, hey guys, this storm, we're about to die. This boat's about to fall apart. It's because of me. He realizes it's all his fault. And his problem with him, with God, now turns into a problem with them, all the other guys on the boat. This happens to us too. Our problem with them turns into a problem with him and then our problem with him turns into a problem with them. The Bible talks to us about how, man, if you're not considerate to your spouse, married people, listen up. If you're not considerate to your spouse, the Bible says God won't hear your prayers. My problem with you turned into a problem with him. The Bible says that if we come to worship and we realize we have something in between us and another brother or sister in Christ, we need to leave our gift at the altar and go make it right. Why? Because our problem with them turned into a problem with him. The Bible says that believers, we need to love each other so that the world will believe that we're really his. And if we don't love each other, then our problem with each other turns into a problem with him. Right? What about outsiders, those, those people? All over the New Testament, Paul and other apostles are encouraging us to be, it says things like be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Why? Because your problem with them could turn into a problem with him. It says, Paul says, I've become all things to all people so that all, by all possible means I might win some. Why? Because he doesn't want his problem with them to turn into a problem with him. You look in the Old Testament, Israel had a problem with God and it turned into a problem with Babylon, right? We can't separate our relationship with God and how we treat anyone else on this planet. It doesn't matter what they look like, where they come from. Our relationship with God must dictate the love and the grace that we show to people because God cares about them. You cannot disconnect the vertical and the horizontal. Your problem with them will turn into a problem with him. It's inevitable. Why? Because God loves people. Amen? Number two, the second thing that we see in the life of Jonah is that even while Jonah was running, everybody say running, God was redeeming. Say redeeming. Even while Jonah was running, God was redeeming. And man, this will get me going because I've ran before. 
And even when I run and even when I get off course, God has a way of working his good in somehow. This is how good God's grace is. Look at what happens in Jonah 1.15. It says, Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Listen to this next part. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him, they offered God a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. You see what just happened? A lot of times we're like so focused on Jonah and the sea, We're so focused on Jonah getting eaten by the whale that we just miss the fact that a whole boat crew just got saved. That even in the midst of Jonah's running, the moment, it took about two seconds from the time he left that boat to when he hit the water for God's grace to do something on that boat. Two seconds for Jonah's repentance to reap good consequences. If you ever wonder, am I too far gone? Have I, have I made too many mistakes that God won't do something good through my life? No. The moment that you start making good choices and repenting and putting God first, God's grace wants to blow up out of your life. It wants to explode out of your life in ways that you probably won't even know about. The men who had watched Jonah fly overboard, they turned to God and think about this. Jonah didn't even know that it happened. He may have never known. He may have never known that those men turned and believed in God and vowed to serve God all because he got thrown in the, in the drink, right? That's, a, that's how amazing God's grace is. It's waiting to burst out of your life story like, like an explosion if you let it, and it starts with repentance. You can't outrun God grace. You can't outrun God's grace. You can't. It will show up in your life when you least expect it and you least deserve it. When you say yes to Jesus, your life turns into a human wrecking ball of grace. I love that. It does. Your life turns in, you can't, you can't do anything. You can't walk through life without God's grace affecting somebody or you when you get right with God. Why? Because God is all about saving people. It's all about it. Number three, what what else do we learn from Jonah's story? Jonah, we see that Jonah couldn't wrap his head around God's love. He couldn't do it. And I would wager to say that a lot of times we have trouble as well. So what happens? Jonah, he gets swallowed by the fish. Three days later, he he repents. He gets spit out on the shore. And finally, he decides he's going to do what God says. And so he goes to Nineveh. He preaches the message that God wants wants him to preach. And lo and behold, the people listen, right? The people repent. And so let's pick up there in Jonah 3, 10 10, through chapter 4, verse 3. It says, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. This change of plans greatly upset Noah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Have you ever been there? Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew 
that you were a a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted had not ha- will not happen. Isn't that just a little glimpse into the heart of Jonah? And isn't it just a little glimpse into sometimes what our heart looks like? That we would rather get our way than God get his. That we would rather get our way than someone else meet Jesus. Oh me. Somebody say oh me, right? Listen, if Jonah couldn't wrap his head around God's love for them, we'd be foolish to think that we have it all figured out either. We have to fight our self-righteousness. We have to fight our proud, our pride. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have to fight our pride. Why? Because pride is, is like a stench in God's nostrils. God's love for them is greater than my love for them. It's greater than your love for them. I can't love people like God can. I need his Holy Spirit to help me do that. Listen, if we don't get on God's page and understand his love for people and understand how big and wide and deep it is, we'll be miserable because we'll constantly be fighting his grace, fighting against showing his grace to the people that least deserve it and least expect it, but God wants to give it to him anyway. It's like we'll be one of those Christians that like look like they're walking around sucking on lemons all day, right? They're just, they say they're following Jesus, but they just look miserable. Why? Because they don't understand God's love. We'll, we'll be bitter. We'll be bitter because things aren't fair, right? And what's bitterness? It's like drinking a poison and expecting someone else to die from it. We'll be full of unforgiveness, Right? Because we can't forgive others like Christ forgave us. We'll become critical. Right? Jonah was so critical here. He's like, God, I knew that you'd do that. Can you imagine being critical of God of all people? God's trying to pour out grace in this situation. and You're going to be the one to be critical. And you know what? I've been there. Because it's, it's easy to be critical of things you don't understand. And this is where Jonah found himself. He couldn't wrap his head around God's love. He knew about God's unfailing love. It says so. I knew. He said, I knew that you were a merciful merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He knew this, but it had not yet made it into his heart. And so what does Jonah do? The Bible says that he goes up a hill to see what will happen. He goes up and sits on a hill, plops himself down to see what will happen. Listen, we do this, right? Something with them happens. Maybe it's that, that person across the street. And so what do you start doing? You start stalking them on social media just to see what's going to happen. And maybe you're praying prayers like, God, take them out. And every once in a while, you're, you're scrolling through Facebook. You're pulling, pulling their profile up just to see if something bad's happening in their life. And you're laughing because you know it's true. People do this. They're, they're, they're like, man... God's going to get him and I'm going to watch. I'm just going to sit back here on my feet and just watch it happen. And we're trolling and maybe every once in a while you drop a comment, just trolling on their feed because, and you're just like digging. Why? 
Because you understand God's love. We go up on a hill and we sit there to see what's going to happen to them. Because they're not as perfect as we are. All because we don't understand his love. Number four. And this is where we all have to get today. God's love wins. And he wants me to win with him. God's love wins. And he wants me to win with him. And this is the tragedy of the story of Jonah is that, and maybe Jonah got it after this, we don't know, but he didn't get it here. And man, my prayer for our church is that we get it, that we understand. My prayer for you is that you understand not only God's love for you, but his love for them. Jonah 4.11, it says, and this is God talking to Jonah, and God says to him, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? God's looking at you and me today. And we, like I said at the beginning, we all, we all have those people in our life. We all always have those, those EGRs, the extra grace required people that just grade us, that just... Uh, I can't stand them, just the sight of them, and you're like, uh, right? And God's saying, hey, I want my love to win in their life too. God's saying, hey, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a person like that? Right? Shouldn't I feel sorry? One thing that just really struck me when I read that verse was, that I'm amazed that God would even ask Jonah the question, right? Because what does that tell me? That it's a conversation, it's a relationship, that God is conversing with Jonah. God's not just telling Jonah what to do, but he did do that. He's dialoguing with him. And he's pulling out of Jonah what he wants to see, right? He's speaking these questions and these words into Jonah's life, having this conversation. Why? Because as much grace as God had for the city with 120,000 people in it, he has for Jonah, right? He has it for Jonah too. And so he wants to include us in his mission to save the world. Some of you might be searching for purpose in life. You might be searching for why am I here? What am I doing? What in the world? God, why is my life going the way it is? And you just need to hear this, that God wants you to join him in his mission to save the world. And if for no other reason in life, that should give you purpose. That should make you perk up a little bit, knowing that the God of all creation not only sent his son to die in your place and mine on a cross, rose again on the third day, just so you and I could have access to the throne of God 24-7. But he not only did all that, but he wants to take you and I on mission with him. And he wants to look you right in the eye and say, shouldn't I, shouldn't you be concerned about your city, about your neighborhood, about your school, about all the people in your life that don't know Jesus? Shouldn't we be concerned? God's love 
one in Nineveh. And God wants his love to win in your home, in your school, at your workplace, in the place that you never thought it would win. People want and need a savior. Don't let anybody ever tell you that people don't need God anymore. That is the biggest lie that the devil wants us to believe in our culture is that we have somehow ascended to this place of consciousness and knowledge and whatever that because of all our dumb little technology and devices and we're going to the moon and and all this stuff and we just keep getting better and better and better. All the devil wants us to think that because of all that, that you don't need Jesus, that the world doesn't need God, that people don't wanna hear about God, that people don't think that they need a savior, but that is not true and it never ever will be. It'll never be true. And so don't let anyone ever convince you that people don't want and need a savior. People need the Lord. And if God doesn't see your sin when he looks at you, why? Because hopefully you've accepted Christ in your life. And when God looks at you, he sees Jesus's blood. He sees you purified and washed clean of your guilt and your shame in the past. And so if God doesn't see your sin when he looks at you, then don't define others by their sin. Look at them as a soul that could also be saved because of the amazing grace of our Father. Amen? And that's a shift in our mind and in our thinking that Jonah couldn't make for some reason, but you and I need to. That's the moral of this story. Jesus sees you. You're a person. You're not one of those people to God, and they aren't either. Listen, we're closing with this today, and man, I want you to ruminate on this all week. Think about it, journal about it. There is not a category for them in his book. There's no category for them in his book. In his book, there's only two categories. And this is where we have to get. There's two categories in God's book, lost and found. That's it. And you and I were in one of those two categories. You're either lost and God can't wait for you to be found or you're found and you know Jesus. And if you're not found yet, he's still looking. He's still searching. He's still sending people your way, just like he sent Jonah to Nineveh. God is still searching, still sending. The Bible says he doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. And when he says all, he really means all, even them. And so in his book, there's only lost, there's only found. Everybody falls into one of those two categories. And the amazing thing about our God is that he's searching for the lost. He came to seek, he came to save lost people. You're either on the search crew or you're lost. And that's where we have to get as a church. That man, we're on the search crew. We're on the search and rescue team. This is a life-saving station for people in our community 
that need to come and hear about Jesus. This is a life stage, a, a life-saving station where people get trained and equipped and deployed to go into their neighborhoods, to go into their schools, to go into the workplace and be a light for Christ, to be a city on a hill where people look when, when everything else gets dark, when everything else gets bad, when everything else goes to pot, they see you like a light shining bright. And the darker the world gets and the darker things get, it could be like Nineveh where everybody is just out to get everybody and it's evil. And then there's you shining bright. The darker the dark gets, the brighter you shine. This is where we have to get, church. God, you had grace for me. Thank you, Jesus. Because God had grace for me, man, I'm going to have grace for you in my relationships. And God, you have grace for them, even those people. And so God, shape our hearts today. Mold us. Break us. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Help our eyes to see people the way that you see them, Jesus. We need your help on this because just like Jonah, we struggle and we don't always see people the way that we should. We don't always see people in these two categories of, of lost and found. So help us, God, to have the same heart as the shepherd father who goes out and seeks for those lost sheep, that has a compassionate heart, that when we see other people, we don't just see their sin, we don't just see their, the, the evil things in their life, but we see a person who's lost and needs a savior. God, help our hearts to be full of compassion and full of grace for those that need it, because we needed it. In Jesus' name. If you're here today, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, and if you're here today and you're like, Joe, I'm, I'm one of those people, I'm lost. And when, I, and when you think about those two categories, lost or found, you're like, oh man, I know I'm lost and I need a savior. If that's you and you want to get found today, you want Christ to, to enter your heart, you want a relationship with him, you want to say, Jesus, I want to make you the Lord and savior of my life. If that's you today, just as bold as you can, I want you to lift your hand and say, God, that's me. God, that's me. I need a savior. I need you, Jesus. Amen. right there where you're at, you can pray a prayer just like this. You can say, Jesus, I need you. I'm lost. I'm broken. I've got sin in my heart. I confess. I repent. I'm going to turn around and go the other direction. Jesus, help me to serve you. Help me to live for you. Help me to understand your word. Forgive me, Jesus. I confess that I'm a sinner, that I need a savior. And I want you to come in and be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you need a heart change today, maybe you identify with Jonah. I know I have sometimes. And maybe you just need to say today, God, change my heart. Change my eyes. Help me to see them how you see them. pray that prayer today, raise your hand with me as we just pray this closing prayer, just inviting Christ to shape and mold our hearts. Jesus, we're here and we need you.
to shape us, to mold us. Because we can't love others the way that you do. God, we just acknowledge that, that we're not capable of it on our own. And so we invite your Holy Spirit to come into our hearts today and to help us to see other people like you see them, to love people like you love them, to have compassion on people like you have compassion. Just like Jonah said, God, we know that you're slow to get angry, that you're quick to love. Jesus, that you're full of endless compassion and mercy, and that you just long to see us come to you in repentance. And so God, help that same longing to be in our heart for those that we come in contact with on a daily basis that are lost and don't know you. Help us to have grace and compassion like you had for Nineveh. In Jesus' name.